Napa know-how. There are lots of amazing cars on the road, but perhaps none more amazing than the paid-off car. It may not be pretty, but the price is right. Heck, if you keep that thing running, it'll actually start paying you. Because with Napa Rewards, for every $100 you spend, you'll get $5 off. So keep your car running longer, stronger with Napa Rewards, and watch the savings start rolling in. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm coming in. I'm ready to get right to work, and I'm ready to, you know, fight for that starting spot. I want to play right away. Anybody doesn't have that mindset, then I don't know if they belong in this league because I'm real competitive, and uh, I want to be one of the best to go down. So I'm gonna be that overachiever, hard worker that comes every day with a purpose. That was Texans fourth-round pick Julian Davenport. I'm your host, Robert Land, and welcome to Locked On Texans as we cover day three of the draft, the six foot seven, 304-pound offensive lineman. Davenport is considered a project, but the Texans picked up maybe their biggest need behind quarterback with Davenport, the tackle that the Texans so desperately need at the right side of the offensive line with the compensatory Fourth-round pick they got from the Browns in the Osweiler deal. They picked up defensive lineman Carlos Watkins. Watkins is another Clemson guy who played with Deshaun Watson and played alongside DJ Reader, the Texans' nose tackle. Throw in DeAndre Hopkins, and now the Texans have four Clemson Tigers on the roster. We'll hear how the Texans might use Watkins very shortly from Rick Smith and Bill O'Brien later in the show you won't want to miss my conversation with KHOU Channel 11's Daniel Gotera. We'll get his thoughts on the Texans draft overall. So we'll take a little bit of a look at the big picture after all seven rounds have finished up. The Texans finished off the day by picking up Oregon State cornerback Treston Decoud in the fifth round. I know I'm going to get that name wrong a couple of times. And also Baylor center Kyle Fuller in the seventh round. Before we hear from Rick Smith and Bill O'Brien, just want to make one correction from yesterday's show. I said Deontay Foreman lost an infant son a few years ago. Of course, I meant that was a few months ago. Just a heart-wrenching story. And, uh, you know, I just made a mistake there. And that's what happens when you're recording around midnight. You know, the draft nights go a little bit late. I'm about to play for you, Rick Smith and Bill O'Brien's day three draft press conference but right before that I want you guys to hear from fourth round pick Carlos Watkins and what he had to say about a car accident which killed his best friend and cousin Tajay McMullins it nearly cost him his football career and his life and when he talked to us on the phone after he was picked he told us about how it changed his outlook on everything you know I sit back and think about it you know I could have lost my life um, I did lose I did lose one of my close relatives and um you know when I sat down and just thought about it it's true to, to make it to this point. Um you know all the things I've been through, uh been through, you know, me and my family and now we get to celebrate, you know, as a tech and it's it's really been it's really been a great ride. Could y'all please start with your first pick today and talk about each of them and how they fit in? Yeah, I just would just say overall, um, I think it was a very productive weekend. I think our football team's better, starting with the 
the pick on Thursday night and the two guys that we added that we've talked about already on Friday. And then, and as you look at today's group, um, you know, I think that if there is a, a theme about this group, there's a leadership and production throughout the class. And, and I think um, along with some, some accomplishment throughout the class. And so even the guys today, Davenport in the fourth round, you know, this guy's a two-time captain. Um, you know, he's got some things to develop, obviously, from the level of competition, but we see enough athletic ability. We see enough leadership. We see enough uh, character that we, we feel pretty confident that he'll be able to come in uh, and compete and learn and, and, and grow and, and figure out how to, how to be a pro football player. Carlos Watkins is the guy from Clemson that we took. Um, excited about that young man. Um, to reunite him with some teammates from Clemson, obviously, we think that that's a, a, a good program, and, and so we've got some productive players from that program. But when you look at his history uh, from a production standpoint, you know, you talk about a guy who, who makes plays behind the line of scrimmage. You know, he's got double digits and, and, and hurries and, and sacks and tackle for losses, and so plays big in big games, and we like that about him. Dekud in, uh, in the fifth round uh, is a guy that has some, some, some versatility. He's a, a longer corner. Uh, with some press ability, might even be able to play safety. He's an aggressive tackler, so we like that skill set with him. And in the last pick, uh, I really like the Fuller guy. He's another guy that that's a three-year three-year starter at Baylor. Has played a lot of football, graduated, has taken care of his business, and so those are the types of guys that we that we like to add to the football team. So in general, that's that's the group. And and maybe if uh, you got specific questions for Bill to kind of ask about each guy. Bill, when you look at the Bucknell tackle, yep. it seemed like he showed at the senior bowl that yep. he could handle better competition. What did you see from him that week? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, for a guy like that, that's, uh, you, know, you know, nothing against Bucknell, but coming from Bucknell, a little bit lower competition relative to the other bigger schools, to go to the senior bowl is a good thing, and I thought that he competed very well there. Uh, wasn't perfect, but he competed. He, he held his own. And then uh, Mike Devlin, um, uh, Rick sent Mike Devlin to Pennsylvania. We we worked him out. He worked him out and had a good day with him, and that was impressive to us. Smart, uh, you know. Look, he's got a ways to go, um, just like most of these guys do. But uh, really good length, um, arm length, height, athleticism. We think he could potentially play both sides, right and left. And uh, we really uh, were impressed with him on, on that workout. And so every every phase of our evaluation with him was was good. Bill on, on Carlos Watkins. Yeah. Uh, another Clemson guy. What is it about that program that kind of lends yourself to potentially bringing guys in? And also, what specifically about him and trying to reunite him with, with DJ kind of will help you guys out next year? Yeah, you know, Clemson, you know, obviously has has done a great job. And, and I think, uh, you know, we, we talked about them offensively, you know, with, with uh, Deshaun and then, the, you know, obviously Hop being here. But defensively, they do a good job, too. They Over the last two or three years, even beyond that, they've, they've been very athletic up front. This guy is a, is a guy that uh, we feel can come in here with a lot of hard work and, uh, uh, you know, good coaching here, can fill a couple different roles for us. You know, he can play on the inside in a couple different packages for us. Like Rick said, he makes a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage, a bunch of TFLs, some sacks. Uh, he's an instinctive player. And and we think he gives us, you know, for lack of a better term, some juice on the inside in a competitive way. So we were we were really happy to be able to get that guy when when he, when we were at that pick. Could you talk about how Fuller will fit in? You got two really good centers now. Yeah. So you see him as guard too. He can play both, John. Yeah, he can play center and guard. That was the big thing, you know. I think when when we just sat there uh, and talked about this one, there were there were some really good candidates up there for us at various positions, but. 
I think one thing that that uh, put us over the top with him and talking to Rick was his versatility on the inside. You know, his ability to come in and be able to compete. Um, you know, for a backup job at the at, at the guard spot in addition to the center spot. So there's some good competition there with some really good young players, and that's uh, that's always a good thing. With the Bucknell tackle, um, as you said. He has a ways to go. Do you think there's an advantage to taking a player um, who came from an FCS school that wasn't FBS? He wasn't recruited to go to an FBS program. And so in a lot of ways, I mean, he's hungry. There's urgency there. Do you think that there's an advantage to that, a guy who's maybe at times been overlooked? I don't know, Matt. I mean, I, th- I think you probably need to ask him that. You know what I mean? I think that's more of a question for him. I think for us, we evaluate. We take into to account the level of competition. There's no doubt about that. I mean, that's all part of the evaluation. But... We also try to do the best job we can of getting to know the guy in more ways than just his skill set. We, we, uh, Mike Devlin had a connection with his offensive line coach there at Bucknell, Joe Susan, who spoke very highly of the guy. Joe Susan's coached on the East Coast for a lot of years and has coached a lot of good players. And, you know, he vouched for him, his work ethic. Like I said, when Mike went out there, the guy worked hard. He was smart. You know, we feel like there's, there's a lot to develop there, and we're looking forward to coaching him. I know you've addressed the fact that you know you, you haven't moved up quite a bit, although you did for this particular draft. Just on the draft as a whole, how would you evaluate this draft compared to, I guess, previous drafts for you in terms of getting what you needed, but also in taking the players that were as good as were available to you? You know, I, I think we're pretty consistent with respect to that. Um, but I will tell you this, just the way that the board fell, we felt really good at, at multiple times in this draft mm-hmm. about getting guys at, at value where we where we really had them valued a little bit even more than where we got them. So, it, 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 you know, there were some positions that we, you know, that we loved. You know, I mentioned, for example, in my press conference last week that I thought it was one of the stronger safety classes. And, and there were some safeties that, that, that we really liked. And, and, and it just never worked that we were in a position to take a safety at the corresponding value. So, um, you know, conversely, you look at some of the guys that we were able to take, and, and, and we had those guys positioned and we had those guys stacked in, in some of those instances where we just felt really good about the value that we got some of these players. And that's just the way that the draft typically works. Bill, last year you had 11 undrafted free agents who had signed here originally on the team, and some of them really contribute. How important are the undrafted guys to what you want to do? I think it's really important. You know, I think that obviously this phase of it, the draft phase of it is very, very important. And, and then the CFA process, which is going on right now, is is really important. The, the, the thing that's really cool for me is to watch the scouts and the coaches work together uh, to anticipate who might be there and, and rank those players and try to go out and get the best players available in that process. And that's what they're doing right now downstairs. And we've, we've been very successful with bringing in guys that have, that have played a lot of football for us over the last three years that were not drafted because I think the philosophy here is once you get here, we don't really care how you got here. It's what you do once you get here. You know, what are you going to do? preparation-wise, in the weight room, in the meeting rooms, and obviously on the practice field to, to help our team get better, and it helps uh, with the depth of our football team. So I think that's the process that's going on right now, and it's very important. You've talked about the conviction that you've had with all of the draft picks that you've had, but looking back at your record over the years, finding corners in particular, whether it's Jonathan Joseph in free agency, uh, Kevin Johnson early in the draft, A.J. Boye undrafted, is there anything about evaluating that particular position that gives you more confidence that, like, we found a good one in this guy. 
Well, I think we all have our, our, our lanes, and, and obviously at being a, an ex-DB, uh, an ex-DB coach you know, in college and in, in the NFL, I've got a, an affinity for that position group. So I, maybe, maybe I'm just a little bit more keen to that, that position group, but I'd like to think in this role that I've been in for a while, I, I, I can do that at multiple positions. But it, it, it goes back along to what Bill just, just, just alluded to or just actually specifically talked about. What's happening downstairs that we're about to get back to is such an important process. It's communication between the scouts and the coaches. I've got to listen. As much as I think I know about defensive backs, i got to listen to John Butler <laughs> because I understand what he wants from his defensive backs. And so, so long as I can understand that and he can articulate that and we can talk about that and figure that out and identify those players who can come in and execute what they're going to ask them to do, that's how you get successful draft picks. And I think that's what, what, what's good about our process right now, and that's why I'm excited about this entire draft class. Joining us to talk about the Texans 2017 draft is KHOU Channel 11's Daniel Gotera. And while we'll go into the rounds two through five shortly, we haven't done round seven as we're speaking. The only pick that anybody cares about, Daniel, is, of course, Deshaun Watson. I mean, that's what it's going to be all about, I think, when it's all said and done. And what did you think as you heard the Texans had traded up to number 12 and realized that Deshaun Watson was their guy? Well, it was funny because I had just posted on my Facebook page when uh, the Chiefs traded up to 10 and got Patrick Mahomes because that's the guy that I always thought the Texans should target. I mean, he's, you know, we use the phrase upside all the time, but he's a tremendous talent. I always loved watching him in college. Not a slight on Deshaun Watson. I just thought that that would be a good fit here with so many deep threats that the Texans have. So I thought Mahomes would be great because he throws a, a good deep ball. But when I saw the Chiefs climb up and get him, I was typing on my Facebook page, man, the Texans haven't done anything to move up. This is so disappointing. And then right after I hit send, the trade flashes up. They had moved up to 12. And at that point, you knew it was Watson. I couldn't believe it. I was shocked. I thought them moving up like that so dramatically sends a clear signal that, look, we understand where our deficiencies are, and we're going to make something happen about it. I mean, you went down to the the concourse level, and you start talking to the fans, and it was an instant, like, joy and happiness as we, we finally got a quarterback. We finally drafted somebody. You know, it's, it's almost hard to imagine that they haven't drafted a quarterback in the top three rounds since you go back to Dave Ragone. It's been over a decade before the Rick Smith administration started. Uh, you know, this has got to be something, if you're a Texan fan, there's the excitement of Deshaun Watson. But, you know, it's, it's funny because he's one of those guys with a – you feel like, oh, the ceiling is real high. There's, there's all this promise of a guy that's won a national championship. But, you know, I was talking to some other people recently, and, as, you know, I, I remember back when Vince Young was, was picked, and, oh, he just come off and win a national championship. Right. And, you know, he faced that team that nobody was supposed to be able to beat, USC, just right. like Alabama. And you think, well, th- that could go wrong. Now, Deshaun Watson, his character, though, yeah. to me, that's what might separate him from Vince Young. You know, Vince Young, all the problems, as we know about, outside of football, not being able to handle the success, maybe getting a little bit too big of a head. You don't sense that with Deshaun Watson. No, I don't. I mean, it's very obvious to me that he he's very grounded. He's been grounded his whole life. You know, we had the opportunity to talk with him one-on-one. And um, it's funny, I had mentioned to him about the fan reaction and about the fact that Andre Johnson had said on NFL Network that he hadn't been excited about a pick the Texans have made in years or ever, and Watson laughed because I think it just hit him. Like, the enormity of this moment hit him. And that's great for a young man like that to realize that 
he's not bigger than the game. And he said during his press conference that that's what keeps him grounded. That doesn't that makes him uh, confident, not cocky, is that he respects the game and all those who played before. And I think he genuinely means it. I think he's a good kid, and he's in a great organization because I think they value that here. The thing about the Texans is with this draft, and we're gonna get we can get into some of the other picks as I, as I'm telling this part of the story of the Texans draft is the stories in the Texans draft and guys overcoming tragedy and to, to, to get to triumph. And you talk about Deshaun Watson and, you know, his mother with cancer and, you know, grew up uh, very poor mother, you know, raised three kids by herself, had the Habitat for Humanity home uh, that was given to him by Warwick Dunn. And the, the great reference in the press conference that he was a number 12 pick in the draft, as was Warwick Dunn. And then, you know, in the third day of the draft, we, we hear about Carlos Watkins, who's a guy that's also from Clemson, another Clemson guy who's a defensive end, and they're hoping that's going to be maybe the replacement for Vince Wolfork at nose tackle. But here's a guy that was in a car accident. He nearly uh, dies and yeah. loses his cousin and friend. You know, these guys overcame all that, and then they won a national championship. And I'm going to get into one other story, but, you know, the Texans just seem to be filled with these guys that y- y- they're easy to root for. you got to root for these guys. Yeah, even you can go back last year, DJ Reader, with uh, the story of him and his father and how he overcame a lot of loss to get to this point. Yeah, and I think it's great. And that, I said that during one of my live shots yesterday. Is one of the cool things about this NFL draft process is we get to know the stories about these guys and why it means so much to them to be drafted into the NFL. I think a lot of people just overlook that step because we want to see the production on the field. What have they done? How many tackles? Were they an All-American? How do they fit in 3-4 defense? You know, stuff like that. But the personalities are what make this event great. And seeing all the emotion just from Deshaun Watson reading that letter from his mom the night that he got drafted was incredible. And you could tell that they take that out onto the field, too. It's, it's pretty neat to see. Another headline from the draft, a, a guy that uh, I think everybody in Houston's got to be excited about is Deontay Foreman running back. Another fantastic story. Yep. Uh, very sad story, but, but hopefully with a, with a good and happy ending when it's all said and done. But loses his uh, infant son, but his, his, uh, his girlfriend is pregnant with an, another child, and they're going to have it uh, this year during the Texan season. And Deontay Foreman's a guy at running back that you go, okay, he's a guy from Texas City. Then he goes to the University of Texas. Then he comes here. You know he's going to be just thrilled and so pumped to play here. His dad, you know, a big Texans fan, he talked about that. And Deontay Foreman's a guy that they desperately needed. And you look at the rest of this draft, and it's just it seems like it's been one need after another. Yeah, I think for Foreman, it was, it was kind of cool because Bill O'Brien said last night after they drafted him that what really stuck out stood out to them was the fact that he came to the local pro day here and a lot of those big time names big time prospects don't usually spend a lot of time at the local pro days for any of the nfl teams but he decided to come up you know he's texas city galveston was his watch party on friday night and he came up and he wanted to compete he wanted to prove himself and that really stood out to bill o'brien and to be honest, it was at the time kind of a like a head scratching move because I thought, okay, well there are this team has other priorities. They could have gone offensive lineman there. They could have picked the tackle that they ended up getting in the fourth round from Bucknell. But I guess best player available, and he's certainly going to help. I mean, Alfred Blue's a good special teams guy, and he'll he'll get some carries as well. But I mean, you combine Foreman with. Lamar Miller. I mean, that's a pretty solid one-two punch, and maybe that means Lamar Miller doesn't 
run through the tackles as much, in between the tackles, because I, I know he got a lot of carries, big workload last year. Maybe wore him down towards the end of the season, so maybe Foreman can pick up those carries as well. Yeah, you said a guy that can go inside with Lamar Miller going out. It's Mr. Inside, Mr. Outside. Great yeah. reference for our 90-year-old fans that remember Doc Blanchard and Glenn Davis back in the, their days at Navy. And uh, you said something that, in uh, what you just said, that I thought was really important. Best player available. And yeah. it's one of the things that you really like that Rick Smith said this week at one of the press conferences that his philosophy was picking the best player available. You hope that's what they're thinking uh but he spells it out on friday which was just nice to hear and even though um that's how they felt every one of their picks in the first five rounds did still fill a huge need even though it was the best player available and you start let me start off with uh vandy inside linebacker zach cunningham who finally gives you that speed cover guy that they've desperately needed at linebacker yeah, and again, versatility. Uh, I'm sure that's one of the things O'Brien's going to preach after this is all said and done. He wanted versatile guys. Cunningham can play special teams as well, and he's a rangy guy. Those those were their words, not mine. I'm not a huge draft analyst, but he's a rangy guy that can go on the outside, and they need some depth there on the outside linebacker position as well. I could see him there instead of inside, where they, they do have some depth already here with the Texans. Yeah, and Brian Cushing, you know, really good leader, but yeah. obviously he's not giving you that speed cover guy. And right. Neither so- is Bernard McKitty, let's be honest. Yeah. Because, I mean, he, he had some tough moments last year in coverage, so this adds another uh, element to that second line of defense. Yeah, you heard that stuff over and over again. We talked about the third-round pick in Foreman. We can get to the, the fourth-round picks, and, and we'll start off with Bucknell tackle Julian Davenport, and you knew the Texans were desperate for a tackle. The Derek Newton, we don't know if he's even going to play this year or ever again. And they had to to make a pick for a tackle. The scary thing is you heard, oh, he's a project. It might take him a year. Ah, Texans don't have a year. I don't know what what they're going to do at tackle if he isn't the guy. Yeah, but who knows? I mean, this guy may respond well to the coaching. I know he had a pretty good uh, relationship with some of the coaching staff here with the Texans already. So he may respond well. He's got the biggest. Uh, he's got the longest wingspan in the draft of any offensive lineman, which I'm sure helps. And yeah, sure, he, he may be a little raw, but hey, what's the best way to learn? Right, throw him out there. Yeah, the next guy <laughs> is uh, Clemson defensive lineman Carlos Watkins. We talked a little bit about his story, but you know, ten and a half sacks as yeah. a player, all American. You know, he's he's a dominating type player. Played next to DJ Reader, so they've those guys have already got some good chemistry going. And the Texans, you know, they've had some luck with Clemson guys. We've seen that uh, so far with guys like uh, uh, Jonathan Joseph and, of course, D.J. Reader. No doubt. And the thing that amazes me about this, look, this is a guy who's very productive in college, obviously. Like you mentioned, ten and a half sacks, All-American, captain of the national championship defense. But he slides all the way to the fourth round, which, okay, I think a lot is put into – numbers and stats and how they project and all that. But for me, like Rick Smith said the other day, it goes back to what these guys put on game film. And this is a good player. I can't believe so many people passed him up just because it didn't necessarily translate analytic-wise to the NFL. But he's a solid player. Now, is he going to be the nose tackle for the future? I'm not sure. Maybe in the 3-4 system, maybe not. You know, but I think he's a great player that adds depth along that line. And again, you know, you start looking at this Texans roster and you're getting a couple of guys from Clemson with national championship experience now. Uh, winners. Winners in the college level. And that's something that uh, if you're the Texans, it's great to have in the locker room. Oh, no doubt. And I'm sure DeAndre Hopkins is 
thrilled to have all these Clemson guys. Kareem Jackson, maybe not so much because he has to talk to him, an uh, Alabama guy, but we'll leave it at that. Yeah, De- DeAndre with the big smiley emoji when he <laughs> saw De- uh, when he saw Deshaun was picked, and uh, the, I don't think the smiley emoji was big enough on my computer. No, I'm sure. he probably could have <laughs> added like three or four more to really emphasize the point. But yeah, he's got to be thrilled. You know, he's going to be lobbying for Deshaun to start at the beginning of the season. And you know, one of the things is would be interesting to see what the Texans do because when you look at. Uh, what they did when they got rid of Brock Osweiler, there's money there. And that money, we don't know what they would possibly do with it except maybe give DeAndre Hopkins that extension and a little money up front and oh, maybe sure. a little inspiration for him along with Deshaun Watson's as a start next season. Yeah, and and plus they have more money to play with next year. I mean, that, that whole Brock Osweiler thing, yeah, it turned out to be a disaster. But in the long run, look what they were able to do. They traded the second-round pick back when they made the move, but then that ended up being a first, second, and Brock Osweiler. So if you look at the whole deal, it's like, oh, my God, that was a lot to just move up in the draft, but it could turn out to be huge in the long run. They lose A.J. Boye, and uh, they needed to pick somebody up to replace him at cornerback, and the guy that they picked up in the fifth round, Thomas, and I'm going to screw the name up, I'm sure it's Decoud or something. I think it's Treston Decoud, yeah. Yeah, I mean, sorry, Treston Decoud. Thomas, I should say, his his, uh, cousin who plays safety for the Carolina Panthers. He's an Oregon State guy. And it sounded like from just our first phone call with him that he has a little bit of confidence to start off with. Yeah, and that's a good thing. He (laughs) says he loves talking trash out on the field. That's good. Maybe uh, DJ Swearinger light. Who knows? We'll see. So how do you feel them coming out of this uh, draft? And, you know, with with what they needed, obviously Watson is the key to everything. But some of the other positions that they needed to fill, the only thing that I can think of that you're a little unsure about is safety. They they lose uh, Demps in the offseason. I don't know if they've really replaced him. We we forget about the safety that – uh, they picked last year mm-hmm. that was injured halfway through the year, and, and I'm also forgetting the name right now off the top of my head. But, uh, yeah, he, he's going to be a, a factor as far as them at safety. But um, it feels like they filled a lot of the things that you really thought were their huge needs as you watched them this past season. Yeah, as far as the defensive backfield, I've always thought, and us Channel 11, we were always kicking around this idea, that I think it would be kind of cool to see Kareem Jackson move back to safety. Then you have Kevin Johnson, you have Jonathan Joseph, you can have Andre Hall and Kareem Jackson in the back. I think that that would that would be nice. But in in the meantime, they did add Treston, which could add a little bit of depth. I think overall they did a great job. You know, every everybody lists the the three needs for every team heading in. Well, my three needs were quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. So just draft somebody and they did that. Everything else is icing on the cake for me from this point forward in this draft. K.J. Dillon was the guy I was thinking yep. about. And right. Dillon, Virginia kid, yeah. and it was real sad to see him go, because he was just starting to kind of play well mm-hmm. uh, when, when he got hurt. But you mentioned Kareem Jackson, and I don't know about you, but I, I just keep thinking, if you, if you kept Boye, you know, if you signed him and that money was, a lot of that money was available as soon as Brock goes, I don't know if, you know, they were just going over a million or two million here or there that you're worried about because it seemed like they were really close yeah. with Jacksonville with that deal. And to me, that's the only thing I can really have a major problem with in their whole offseason because you look at Jonathan Joseph and Kareem Jackson, and these guys are not getting any younger. And, you know, another guy you have in Kevin Johnson's had two foot injuries to end seasons on the same foot. And, you know, as somebody that watched Yao Ming for <laughs> a few yeah. years, it worries me that the cornerback position – 
But, you know, you're, you're also getting some guy named J.J. Watt back on defense, so that, that might help you a little bit. That helps. Yeah, I think, look, I, I was a little disappointed at the beginning when they hadn't really made a free agent splash. I mean, they were kind of waiting. They, you know, re-signed Ryan Griffin, which is good, the, the specialist with Shane Leckler um, and, uh, and the kick, Nick Novak. But so I was a little disappointed they hadn't made a bigger splash, but I think overall, I mean, they, they're pretty solid heading in. Like, like you said, they get a couple of guys back from injury, so that, that in itself are additions too. Tell us a little bit about before we wrap things up uh, about what you've got going on for the Sunday night show. I know you guys always have some, some big stuff planned on, on Sunday night. I'm sure it's going to be a lot of draft conversation. Yeah, yeah we're going to get into the draft. We're going to be talking a lot of the same topics we've been talking here. Also, my uh, one-on-one interview with Deshaun Watson. That'll be on as well. We'll preview the Rocket Spurs series, which kicks off on Monday. Matt Musil will be in San Antonio. And we have a couple other features as well. So it's always a fun time on Sunday night. We always try to keep it a little different on KHOU. Well, thanks so much for doing this. And yeah, no uh, problem. I feel like there's a little bit of a bu- buzz and it's a little bit of happy mood uh, out at the Texans facilities. <laughs> Absolutely. And now the question becomes, will Deshaun Watson start? That's the next big question. That's Channel 11's Daniel Gotera. And it's time to wrap up this edition of Locked On Texans. Uh, just uh, for you diehard Astros and Rockets fans, check out my Houston Sports Talk podcast where I hit on everything going on in Houston sports. It's in all the same places you'll find Locked On Texans, iTunes, Stitcher, and tune in, Locked On Texans, all part of the Locked On Network of Podcasts. Hey, we heard our our guy in charge, David Locke, the Utah Jazz play-by-play guy who runs the network, was on the Zach Lowe podcast this week, so that was pretty cool. Remember, there's a show for every NFL and NBA team. Be sure to put Locked On Rockets with Ben Dubose in your podcast library. He's going every single day during the playoffs as the Rockets try to head towards another Western Conference Finals, maybe, as they start up against the Spurs. And if you've got something on your mind, by the way, email me at LockedOnTexans at Mail.com or send a message through our Locked On Texans Facebook and Twitter pages. Thanks so much for making Locked On Texans a part of your week. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Napa know how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99 cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know how. Napa know how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 103117.